Welcome back. Bill Michael Show. Continuing on in this uh, warm, sun-splashed, as Wayne Larrabee would say, Tuesday. Waiting for the bottom to drop out. <laughs> Good to have you back in the program. Uh, sad day today if you're just tuning in. Uh, Cherry Starr passed away today. So uh, our condolences go out to the Packer family and obviously to the Starr family. But uh, between Bart and Cherry, you couldn't ask for two better people. You could not ask for two better people. Uh, and there is um, there is not a a word that I've ever heard spoken, ever, in any kind of a negative sense about the stars. I mean, ever. I worked with them for years with the Vince Lombardi uh, charitable funds. And uh, I, it was nothing but just a wonderful experience every single time. Not a bad word. And, you know, when you get a chance to go back to a lot of the alumni events with the Packers and you talk to guys like Lynn Dickey and Paul Kaufman and Marv Fleming and you go through that, you know, Dave Robinson, Jerry Kramer, you can go through that whole list. There's never been a, a negative word uh, ever spoken uh, about, you know, Bart or the Stars in any way, shape or form, just to salt of the earth people. So sad day today. Sad. But in a way, you're like, you know what? She's been uh, living now without Bart for more than a few years, and uh, it was time. So now they're up there kind of paying attention to us, hoping the, hoping the best for us. So good stuff there. Uh, let's do this. Let's, uh, we haven't really taken many phone calls today, so let's, let's do that. We've got to get back to it. Uh, coming up bottom of the hour, you're going to hear from Mike Clemens. Also, there's some storylines. I'm sitting here watching the NFL Network. Storylines coming out of the scouting combine. But uh, let's go to Doug listening to us, to us in Luxembourg. Doug, how are you doing today, man? What's going on? Doing good, Bill. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, you bet. Uh, sad, sad news. First lady of Green Bay football, that's for sure. Yeah. You know? That's a great way uh, to put it. And, uh, well, yeah, like you said, they're together now again, and yeah. that's the way it should be. Uh, yeah. Well, what I wanted to get to was about Bakhtiari. If you remember his interview after, after he uh, got shut down, last season or seems like I don't know how many seasons ago, but he said there was really only one surgery he could have that would give him, I think what he said, a a good quality of life again. Mm -hmm. And, and football was not in the equation after that surgery. So I'm thinking what he's talking about is knee replacement. He said he could, play football but the same thing would happen over and over and over again because he's got bone on bone and it's just yeah the pain factor how much you can deal with so i gotta believe there's no way he's ever playing football again you know you know uh, i, I, I wouldn't say, say, go ahead sad to say but uh no way he's ever going to play football i should say at a high level again right. i i don't i really don't think he's he's even in the in the level of a Rashid Walker right now, you know, if he'd have yeah. to go out there and play, what's, what's the use of having him play a series or so and then have to come out, you know, yeah. uh, I just don't see it. it. It's, it's sad, but it's over. So I, I really think he needs knee replacement surgery. I, I appreciate the phone call because you're probably right, but, the weird part about this is, and, and if that's, you know, truly the case, and you may be 100% correct, is he's posting that he's good. He's posting out there for teams and general managers to say, hey, 
Let's look over this fence. It's it's like he wants to play. So if the only way he's ever going to have quality of life is a knee replacement, which is very possible. Um, numerous football players have done that. Um, you wonder what's been done that would then allow him to think about playing this season or for a couple of years to come. But I agree with you that if he is – and there, I mean, every player in the NFL is one hit away. Don't get me wrong, but if he's got so much damage that the knee wouldn't even be stable enough to play, I, man, that's that's crazy. I, I I just I can't imagine him putting it out there to say, "Hey, I want to come back. I want to come back. I want to come back." Now, unless there's some kind of legality to this, where it's got to be some they technically have to cut him so they can pay him and not just some kind of a medical buyout. I, then I guess I, I don't know, but I, I don't know all the ins and outs of salary cap ism, but that would be something that I could understand. But he, he certainly seems like he's indicating to the world that he wants to play, that he wants to play. I just don't know if, if, I could see – I like I said, I know Mike Clemens said maybe 30% says that maybe they bring him back. I think it's probably less than that. I think it's for, – for most realists, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that they're going to cut them when they need to, save that money, and move on. And that's going to happen, you know, that, that, at that point in time. But I don't think Brian Gutekinds is going to tip his hand in that sense, if that makes sense. Again, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, uh, feel free. Uh, This is from our buddy Steve. The passing of Cherry Star is a huge loss, not only for Bart Star and the Green Bay Packers family, uh, but also uh, for anybody that they touched. If you look up the word class, Bart and Cherry Star would be the definition. I was lucky enough to meet uh, the Stars years ago, but I'm never going to forget it. Gracious is the best word you can use to describe them. Rest in peace with your soulmate, Bart. And that is from our buddy, Steve. Steve, appreciate it. Uh, This one is from Mark, who says, uh, Hey, Unit, uh, no way they bring Bakhtiari back. He has proven that he just can't play anymore. That knee just won't hold up under the rigors of the NFL. There's no way he's going to go to a team that has a turf field either. MetLife is one of the worst, and Paycor was one of the worst. I think they're changing that turf out. Uh, Thoughts? Paycor, he was talking about Cincinnati. Cincinnati is. They are changing the turf to the more acceptable via the Players Association field turf that some of these new stadiums have been upgraded to. And they are ripping everything out down in uh, Cincinnati and putting in new. I did read that uh, because Joe Burrow was talking about it, that they're putting in new turf. And and they're doing it in part because of Joe Burrow. They don't want to see him walk away with any injury either. So, But they're putting in all new field turf this year as well. Uh, And I got to think. Replacing turf, while it's a big project, it's an undertaking, don't get me wrong, I got to think for the the bottom line cost for a team in the NFL, it can't be like that much. In the grand scheme of things, of everything that you're paying for, replacing the field, you know, you're not going to do it every year, but it can't be that much. It's a million bucks. Two million? I I don't know. What 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 do you think the cost is to replace field turf in some of these stadiums, Grant? Oh man, I, I mean, feel I, like well, I mean it's a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, for these stadiums and these 
you know, these leagues, it's not that much. I bet it would be over a million to to put nice new turf in or, or turf that's technologically advanced. I saw, what was it, Cincinnati or what stadium rolled it out the other day? Now I got to dig it up and find it. Might be, it might be, uh, might be Cincinnati because they're, they're changing it. Um, the cost to replace a worn out turf football field. Now there's no way it can be this. Um, for the entire NFL to get rid of artificial surfaces would cost them $12 million. Which is not that much money, actually. Right. That's barely anything for the NFL, yeah. actually. It costs anywhere. The average cost of a synthetic field turf can cost anywhere between 850 to $1.2 depending on the structures and facilities that they have and the amount of area that needs to be covered. Um, just trying to kind of read here. Most of them say, you know, it's usually on average of $5 a square foot. Yeah, it's, uh, and if you just look at the base, the base for some of these things, if you're not using the more expensive field turf, uh, is 600,000. Uh, baseball fields are using more and more field turf uh, to cover an entire baseball field is about six hundred and fifty thousand. If you if you use the higher end turf, the lower end turf is three hundred and eighty thousand. That's what they're looking for. So, yeah. So yeah, a million million bucks. You know, by the time it's all said and done, that's for an NFL team. That's kind of a drop in the bucket. But yeah, I agree. I I, I don't think Bakhtiari is going anywhere near field turf at this point. He would probably, if, if he has his druthers, to remain on grass somewhere. And that would leave you, what, uh, the Raiders, the 49ers. Uh, they do have grass, regular grass out in Arizona. Um, well, obviously the Packers, the Bears. There's not many teams that have grass anymore when you think about it. And it ain't baseball. Like, it's not like you can only right. hit against lefties or, like, it's not like you can DH someday. Like, football, right. you can, especially at tackle. Again, there's some right. positions where, you know, if you're aging, you take a day off. You kind of need to be out there. You're the bookend of the entire offensive line. Yeah. Okay, so think of this. Um, you got the only, in the, the only team in the AFC East is Miami that has grass. The AFC North... Um, I can't remember if the Ravens have grass. I think the Ravens, is they're actually a field turf field. And Cleveland used to be grass. I don't know if they are anymore. Pittsburgh is grass. Um, Houston is field turf. Indianapolis. Jacksonville would be grass. Tennessee would be grass. Denver is grass. Kansas City is grass. Las Vegas is grass. Arizona. The 49ers. Tampa Bay. Carolina, Chicago, Green Bay, and I think Washington plays on grass. That's not many when it comes right down to it. That's not many. Not at all. By the way, when we talk about coaches and uh, players and so, or coaches and uh, assistant coaches not going to the combine, Andy Reid's at the combine. Andy Reid's actually there. Are there some coaches that, like, 
I keep hearing, you know, through Packers people, well, Matt LaFleur and his staff, they feel they don't need to be there. They can, well, what are they doing? What are the, what are they doing that's so important that they can't go to Indy for 48 hours? Like, are they grinding tape and they can't be disturbed? Like, if they don't want to go just because they don't want to put in the effort, that's one thing, but it's talked about like, oh, they can't, they can't be disturbed to go to the combine for a couple of days. It's the off season. Right. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what they do instead of going to the combine. That's a great question. I mean, is your is your time that consumed? You know. Now, structurally, maybe the general manager and their staff don't want you there because they don't want you to fall in love with a player and then get pissed off at a GM when he doesn't pick that particular player. So maybe that's part of it too. But. You got to think that there's some input from the coach, right? I would assume older coaches that have a hand in the draft are there, much like Andy Reid. But yeah, it's, uh, but like Mike said, more and more coaches are not coming to the NFL draft for whatever reason. Okay, let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to come back. And I want to, you got some, uh, some, so I don't want to say headlines, but some storylines coming out of the NFL draft that we want to talk about. So let's do that when we come back. Uh, today is this kind of day. Now, uh, I'm on the road tonight. I got a lot of stuff going on, but uh, one of my stops is going to be at Robert's Specialty Meats. Going to stop it just because I'm just kind of hankering for an Al Capone roast. I just want one. Uh, a little small personal Al Capone roast. You can throw it in that seasoned skillet, flip it over, good to go. Make sure the temperature's at 140. Oh, so good. Al Capone roast is what I'm looking for. But they have incredible, incredible stuff that's handmade, whether it's sausages, the ribs on a stick, the chicken parmesan skewers, and they cater. Don't forget they cater. They can set it up on golf courses. They can set it up for wedding receptions. Whether you want the roast, whether you want steaks, whether, whatever you want, they can do it. They cater for you as well. That's Robert's Specialty Meats, Waukesha.com. And we're getting into tailgate season when it comes to baseball. Get ready. The brats, the sausages, they're all going to be going. Robert's Specialty Meats, Waukesha.com on Sunset Drive in Waukesha. Again, Robert's Specialty Meats, Waukesha.com. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Bill Michael Show, we continue on. Good to have you. This portion of the program brought to you by One Collision County Line. One Collision County Line there on Menominee Falls. And you can call them, 262-251-1700. If you're watching on the live stream, that is my vehicle. And uh, there was a lot of damage. Uh, The rear bumper cover, the rear quarter, the rear passenger door, uh, the wheel all got kind of dinged up. And they did a magnificent job. Magnificent job. And they always have. I, I went there and paid on my own and they were just that good i said man god i got to talk about you guys and they said well we'd love to sponsor so it was kind of a marriage right then and there but to one collision county line Menominee falls they work with you they work with your company your uh, insurance company uh they do a fantastic job and the best part about it is i knew every step of the way what was happening with my car because they would text you you would get texts from them that would say your car is you know today is in body work we're waiting on this particular part we're waiting on whatever it happens to be 
Uh, tomorrow it's going into uh, you know paint, and then it's going to dry, and then they're going to polish it up, and then they're going to detail the vehicle, and then they're going to give it back to you. The estimated time is you know Thursday at four o'clock. I mean, it was that cool. And a one collision county line, that's a great place to go. Great place to go. Anywhere in the metro Milwaukee area, Ozaki County, Waukesha County, Washington County, uh, you know, anywhere. I just come from anywhere because they just do fantastic, fantastic work. That's one collision county line. So what do you got for us as far as some of the storylines coming out of uh, coming out of the combine, Grant? Well, yesterday, Peter King reported in his final column, he said, I don't know much, but everything I hear sounds like the Bears are going to trade the pick. And they're going to mm-hmm. move down, right? So Peter King, who was first to the DJ Moore trade last year, he's obviously super plugged in. So Ryan Pohl speaking to the media at the Combine earlier today and was talked about the idea of, you know, taking a quarterback at number one or maybe trading down. This is what he said, and this is basically about how they handle Justin Fields. So here's 30 seconds of Bears GM Ryan Poles. What is, your, what is your, if you decide to draft a quarterback, what is your motivation to trade Justin before free agency starts, knowing that there might be a free agency? Yeah, again, it just depends on what opportunities pop up. Um, I will say this. Um, I think you guys know me uh, well enough now. I do, if we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. So I know that's really quiet. He basically said, if we decide to draft a quarterback we're going to be transparent with Justin we don't want to keep him here and stick him on this roster right we still don't really know for sure what their plan is we have reporting that kind of leans both ways I get a really strong sense that they are looking to to make a a, a, a huge deal for Justin Fields they're looking for quite a bit and because he had a good – I would imagine that Ryan Poles is sitting there watching the last four or five games of their season and watching him actually play well, just smiling from ear to ear. Because for everything that he did well and every every win they garnered or every pass he threw that was completed and everything that he did uh, on the positive side was probably just more cha-ching in his pocket. And he was probably just grinning all over the place. I, I still think they're going to trade him. As to whom, we don't know. Uh, and now you got to look at a guy like Raheem Morris, uh, the head coach of the Falcons, who is uh, – I can't talk about him, but he's excited uh, for the future. They're excited for what they want to do offensively and uh, the speed that they have. But uh, for all indications are that you know, that's where Justin Fields is from. He's from the Atlanta area. That he, if indeed he leaves, he really wants a, a homecoming uh, via the Atlanta Falcons. So we'll see if that's what I, – I would – I got to think that they're trading Fields. Don't you? Yeah. Well, they should. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. I don't think he was ever ever really given a a fair opportunity because of all the change and the garbage that he was working with. Uh, there wasn't personnel around him. He was looked at as a guy that hey, go run around and make it happen. Uh, they wanted him to, to do it. His first year, he looked phenomenal. His second year, they tried to put him in the pocket. He ended up getting crushed. And I will say this: he is not a smart guy. He's just not. Uh, for all, for what you hear that runs through the grapevine down in Chicago, he's it's not like going to a Mensa meeting. I'll tell you that right now. So, um, and that's to me what sets you apart in the NFL between being a, a an average quarterback, a good quarterback, and a great quarterback. Great quarterbacks have the talent and the knowledge. Good quarterbacks will have decent talent, but the knowledge is there. And average quarterbacks don't get it, and they're not overwhelmingly athletic. 
And then the sub quarterbacks are the people that are just idiots and they just run around, run around, run around, get rid of the football and then blame it on everybody else. And I get the sense that Justin Fields like an above average quarterback because of his athleticism, but between the ears, it really, his ceiling is only so high. So I, I think they're going to go in the favor of Caleb Williams. I don't think he's been put in the best situation. I think he's been put in a fine enough situation yes. to win more games than he has and to look better yeah. than he has. So right. I, I think they're probably going to part ways, probably should. You mentioned Raheem Morris in Atlanta. I actually bookmarked a quote from Coach Raheem Morris, who was just hired by the Atlanta Falcons. This is from Daniel Flick, who works for Sports Illustrated. It says, Raheem Morris on Atlanta being closer to contention than one might think. And here's the quote. If we had better quarterback play, I may not be standing here at the podium. Which he's right. Like, if they had a better quarterback right. the last two years, he, they probably aren't looking for a coach. Because I think with that defense and with those weapons, they are a quarterback away. Right. I, um... They had a terrific run game. Their defense was better than adequate. I, I don't... Yeah, they're closer. I'm not going to argue that. If you put Justin Fields on that team, I bet you they win, what, three more games? It's not like he's going to all of a sudden make him a 14-13 game winner. Yeah, does Justin Fields avoid, like, three terrible red zone turnovers throughout the course of the season? Right. Yeah, they, they didn't even need a quarterback to be a net positive last year. They just needed one that wasn't a net negative, and Ritter yeah. was constantly. Uh, Rob Dog says, uh, hey, Bill, did you see the reports of how the Bears are eyeballing J.J. McCarthy the same way they did with uh, Mitchell Trubisky? Uh, I did. I was listening to some talk radio last night, and I had heard that uh, as well, the discussion. This time of year, GMs will start throwing things out there and leaking rumors out there uh, to drive interest or to take people in an opposite direction. Now, being the number one overall pick, it doesn't matter because you have your choice. Nobody's going to sneak up and grab somebody behind you to to do it. But, um, but yeah, maybe if you're thinking about McCarthy would be as good and more mature, and you're not losing a lot of value, and you could still trade out, then maybe, yeah, maybe you do that, and you garner even more picks. I, you know, maybe that would be their thinking. But for all intents and purposes, I, everybody says that Caleb Williams is the guy. I don't question Caleb Williams' physical ability. I think he's fantastic. I, I question his mental state. I question whether or not he's capable of handling the rigors and the pressure and the media in the NFL. And if he's going to go to Chicago, you better have a thick skin. Because if you've ever listened to some Chicago postgame shows, holy crap, you think we're rough. <laughs> um, yeah, that's no, that's that's not a place you want to be as a as a young, fragile, egoed quarterback. That's for sure. Is there anything else coming out of the uh, coming out of the combine? Well, last thing, Russell Wilson went on Brandon Marshall's podcast and kind of told the story of how he was benched and how the Broncos came and said, hey, we're going to bench you unless you waive your injury guarantees. And Russell Wilson said, well, I'm not going to do that because that sets a terrible precedent for other quarterbacks, right, giving up this protection, which I totally understand. Mm -hmm. Now, Sean Payton was asked about all this today. He said, I didn't listen to the podcast. I don't care. He did say this of their next quarterback because now they're going to have to find somebody post Russell Wilson. Here's what he said. I, I, I saw this like humorous meme the other day where there was a, a Bronco fan with a shirt on and there was like eight quarterbacks names with a cross through it, you know, and, and he's drinking the quarterback Kool-Aid. And, I, you know, our, our job is to make sure that this next one 
you know, doesn't have a line through it. So that's what he had to say. <laughs> like Sean Payton's referencing memes right. at the combine. Yeah. Did you ever see the one uh, from Cleveland? I think it was the Cleveland Browns. Oh, you need a, uh, the, you need well, a it, it, need a dress or a jacket yeah. with with tails behind it to fit it, all the. It memes. was it was a little girl uh, or a girl. I shouldn't say little. It was a girl who had this really long oversized jersey and all the tape on the back of all the quarterbacks. And I'll never forget that. It was just all the way down the back. It was hilarious. And they've kind of gone through the same thing in Chicago as well. I mean, when you talk about it, I. The Bears have, every year, they've latched on to somebody, whether it's Rex Grossman or Mitch Trubisky or Justin Fields or anybody else. And, you know, Jay Cutler they brought in to solve finally all of their quarterback problems, and that worked for about a blink of an eye, and they just have not been able to find one. I mean, Cleveland's kind of been the same way. Deshaun Watson comes over. They pay him all the guaranteed money he's had. Probably just some teams have a difficulty in finding that guy, which is what makes the Packers – and seemingly what they have done now for going on 30-plus years, so unbelievably remarkable uh, just to be able to find that guy again. So uh, amazing. Anything else before we uh, take a break? That's about it. I'm sure we'll get more throughout the day and more tomorrow, so I'm just going to keep my eye on Twitter, and we'll be checking in with Mike Clements as well. But those were some of the big ones. Obviously, the Bears' quarterback decision is is large, what the Falcons are going to do, because a lot of teams are kind of hinging on what the Bears do at the top right. of the draft because that right. dictates – you know, one of those spots up there where you could draft a quarterback or Justin Fields availability, which is a domino that maybe the Steelers or the Falcons, you know, other yeah. teams. So a lot of hinges on that number one pick. No doubt. Uh, let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we talked to him a little bit earlier today down at the Combine. That was Mike Clemens. And it was early on in the program. And many of you don't hang out for four or full hours or you weren't even on the network at that point in time. So we're going to play that back for you. This portion of the program, man, did they have a big gathering for the, uh, the Nashville invasion out at Smoke on the Water this past weekend. That place was packed, sold out, plus 20. They sold out their tickets, plus added 20 more. And what a time. I saw some of the video. What a time they had. Man, they put on some great shows over there. Whether you just want to go in for the food and a beverage and maybe like a day like today, go look over the lake, that's one thing. But when they do some of these big events in the uh, deck below, which is the big new party hall downstairs, the big hall, it's beautiful. They really do it upright. Check out our friends at Smoke on the Water and Okachi Lake. They, uh, they are putting on some really, really, really great shows, whether it's comedy, it's music. They've got some special guests that have come in. Uh, they do stuff on game days. You can They have a whole bank of TVs. Uh, upstairs, you can go in and watch everything from Brewers, Bucks, you know, Packers, you name it. They've got that on as well. So great stuff going on at Smoke on the Water in Okachi Lake. And they also have Sloppy Joe's Saloon and Spoon on Hubertus, in Hubertus. Both places can't go wrong. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. Rocking on. A couple of segments to go before we get out of here. And if you missed it from earlier today, our guy Mike Clemens uh, had joined us. And we were talking with Mike uh, about, um, you know, the, the combine. And Mike said that they had a chance to meet with Goody. So, and then we had a conversation about just everything that was going on down there. So, uh, was, take if you didn't miss it in the first hour, why don't you take a listen to it again? Mike was, had some really good stuff from Indianapolis. Mike Clemens and I uh, talking about the combine and about Goody's presser earlier today. Well, what I sent you is now you're going to hear Brian Goodikins talking to just the Wisconsin media, and that's when the microphones you know we could turn on. Uh, but he talked to us for an hour today, an hour, 
at the Packers Team Hotel here in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. It was great. It was relaxed. And, yeah, we joked around on how much different it is this year than it was this time last year with the Aaron Rodgers, you know, dark, darkness retreat, uh, all, all that drama and saga a year ago at this time. And, yeah. you know, he spoke with a, a lot more clear and open head. What are some questions that are on your mind? And I'll tell you if I got an answer for you. Uh, questions that are on my mind. I, I want him to reiterate again that they're going to be players in free agency, but I, I, I just want the commitment to best available. I think that's, he, he's done a great job over the last couple of years via the draft. So to me, I, yeah, they need to go defense. Just is the mentality going to just strictly be best available or Mike, are they going to be aggressive if they see a player they really like that they think is going to be a starter right now because they feel like this window is now open for this team? Will they be aggressive and move up in the draft? They might, but I think that they're going to, he's going to continue now with what he's done in terms of draft and development. And then if there's a Rasul Douglas there, if there's a Devondre Campbell there, if there's a Keyshawn Nixon a guy who you give him a second chance at because you see something on tape that maybe even the team that they're currently working for doesn't see, and they end mm-hmm. up to be a player for you. I think he wants to do that. I'll tell you one thing that he said definitively today. He says there's never such thing as being one player away from winning a Super Bowl. So that means when you're one of these teams that you know traded away all your picks, like the Denver Broncos, and now they're I – just, I just listened to, to the Broncos – uh, to uh, George Patton, their GM, and he said when he was asking, they were asking questions about Russell Wilson. And he said, "Look, we've moved on. We've moved forward. You know, yeah, we're looking for a quarterback. We've we've moved forward." So I mean, what a, what a waste that was of two years. And a lot of people thinking maybe Russell Wilson's next spot could be with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, that maybe that's a place where he could land and still see if he's got something left in the tank. Um, I, I, another thing I think that, well, I asked Goodikins this directly in the in the private meeting. I said, you had 10 players that you picked in the draft that had significant playing time. I mean, from, you know, Musgrave and, and, and Tucker Kraft and those guys, guys to Anthony Johnson on the back end playing some important snaps at safety and on special teams. I said, are you going back to draft and development? And he goes, I, you know, I've always wanted to be draft and development. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, they just hired a coach out of Boston College as a defensive coordinator who can dra- draft and develop, you know, these younger players. So I think he's going to be go back to more of that Ted Thompson model and really work the draft and the undrafted players as much as he can. Mike, uh, when, when it comes to Brian Gutekind's looking at the talent down there, does he give you any specifics? I mean, over the last couple of years, he's he's gotten uh, more speed. I mean, that's what he's been interested in. But some of the guys that they're using from corner to safety and safety to linebacker, a little undersized for that. Is is that still the philosophy, do you think? Bill Parcells did a radio show some years after his time in the NFL, and he opened up a book and said the average defensive end has got to be six foot four to six foot six or something, because the average left tackle is going to be this height. So therefore and so there's some of these guys that actually have notebooks with templates on every position, how fast you got to be, how much you should weigh, those kinds of things. And and Goody said today, as a matter of fact, he doesn't necessarily go by that book. That good football players come in different shapes and sizes. He wants, and this will be no news to you, he wants to see versatility. I'll tell you, here's a couple things. I've got, I did make a list, and it's going to take 
it's going to take me a while to sort of uh, go through and outline everything we talked about today because there was a lot of good flow of information. These guys are very confident, though. They're very confident. Uh, let's talk about offensive line. David Bakhtiari, who's been tweeting out, yeah, you know, for surgery, feeling good, feeling fine. Uh, so do you have to act on that? And he goes, you know, we have to wait and see where the knee is. We have to wait and see where he is. And uh, he essentially said, you know, like Ted said, there are certain decisions you don't have to make until you have to make them. So that apparently is a wait-and-see decision. He hasn't indicated he's going to close the door on it. What about guys whose contracts were voided, like you reported, you know, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. That, you know, Darnell Savage at, uh, at safety, Keyshawn Nixon, your nickelback and return man, or your backup left tackle, uh, Yash Nyman. Contracts is voided. And then he was asked today, does that mean they're pretty much done? No, no, we could bring those guys back. But he admitted they're pretty much out the door, right? A.J. Right. Dillon, bring him back as a running back? Eh, maybe, but, you know, that's a high-injury position. That's a quote. Running back is a high-injury position. And so, this, you know, those kinds of things that we've learned from the Green Bay Packers, you might get a second contract. You really got to be set special if you got a third contract or some kind of extension. Or if you're Aaron Jones, you know, we may have to come and ask you for a cut. In the meantime, though, yeah, Russ Ball, man, he can deal. He just got an extra $30 million, as all the NFL teams did with a salary cap. He'll be meeting with the agents later this week. Uh, going back to the running back position, I, I mean, I get the sense that A.J. Dillon's probably gone. Maybe you get Keyshawn Nixon or Darnell Savage back if you re-sign them. But it, does it sound like they're actually considering hanging on to David Bakhtiari? You know, I, I guess, you know, I, I would say there's a, a 30% chance they're waiting for a miracle. You know, I think maybe yeah. that's where they're at. You know, and I, I think LaFleur's there, too. If they can get the guy who played week one against the Bears, yeah, that's what they're looking for. So, you know, they, they're in no hurry. And, I, and I, I don't know if there's necessarily a deadline in the NFL calendar where they have to make that decision. But in the meantime... They will certainly move forward. Hey, here's the one thing. I don't know if you, when you ask a general manager, hey, what, what are the strong positions in this year's draft? Is a guy really going to tell you that? No. Because I can no. tell you this. You know what Goody said today? Last year's tight end position was crazy, crazy good. And of course, they took advantage of it with Musgrave right. and Tucker Kraft. And he also said, and Matt likes tight ends. If you're watching, you know, he runs a lot of an 11 person, he runs a lot of double tight end can't get can't get enough of them so you know your coach wants that as well but he you know what he said today and i i believe him in this he goes offensive line is pretty strong pretty strong so i think that's why they think sean ryan showed power he said still got a lot to learn powerful player who can line up at right guard opposite elton jenkins at the left guard and then you're gonna draft and you'll bring in, you know, more guys that can be behind Sean Ryan and learn or be there to back up and compete for those jobs on the offensive line. Um, wide receiver. He did say wide receiver was crazy good last year. He says, I think it's going to be really good again this year. The other thing that's very tricky for him, he said, we're still dealing with COVID. You know, you look at these players coming out of college. Some have played only two or three years of college. Some have been there seven years. Like Sean Clifford, your backup quarterback. 
So it's kind of hard to, to get that and to understand where the classes are and where these guys are because of how disruptive uh, the COVID-19 was to two years of college football. Um, wow. Hey, this here's one big surprise. Okay, and I said to him about this. I said, your, you, you know, okay, let's talk about your defense. You didn't have Devondre Campbell out there for most of the year at inside linebacker, the guy who's supposed to have the green dot on his helmet calling plays. You didn't have Eric Stokes, starting corner. You didn't have Jair most of the season. And then, you know, you had the problems with it. You suspended him for a game. Um, what was missing from your defense where you needed to make a change? I said, was it in-game adjustments? He said, not so much. He says it was consistency, consistency during the week of preparation. And Matt has been asking for a higher level of emotional players, guys that are, have their hair on fire that are consistent, yeah. they're flying around. And so that comes back to a motivational thing and how that defensive coordinator is leading on that side of the field. And then he was asked, well, maybe you have to get a different kind of player. You know, you've always got these Green Bay Packers high on character. Maybe you need a couple of nut jobs. But, I, you know, that's a question I'll have to try and break down for you to see how he came out of that. But he thinks that this is something that, that they can solve from the coaching standpoint. Therefore, you see five new coaches on the defensive side of the ball for the Green Bay Packers. Did, did he, Mike, and I know we're running late, but real quick, did he say anything about uh, what he hopes to see or what he believes they're going to see out of Halfley? Yeah. I, uh, uh, player development. And he understands he's coming to Green Bay to work with a lot of young players. Player development. And I think that those four years at Boston College is something to turn them on. But plus, his track record on things that he'd done in previous years in the NFL. Mike, great stuff as always, bud. Anything else before we uh, cut you loose? Yeah, Jim Leonard. Did you know he had hip surgery? I didn't yeah. know he had done work. I didn't know he had done work uh, uh, for the Broncos. But you know, the Broncos talking about Jim Leonard and you know work that he had done for them before he ended up with Illinois. Interesting to hear his name pop up when you're talking about defense down here at the combine. Mike, great stuff. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate there it. Pal. You there you go, Mike Clemens, the great Mike Clemens, joining us on the. That's Mike Clemens from earlier today. Great to have him on and good stuff from down there in the Combine. We'll talk to him all throughout the week as the Combine fully gets underway tomorrow. A lot of uh, measuring, weighing, uh, physicals, exams, all that kind of stuff. And then they start running and dashing and shuttle coning and all that kind of good stuff for real. So thanks to Mike for uh, taking a couple of minutes out of his day to uh, join us and uh, give us the update as he got a chance a little bit earlier today to meet with Brian Gutekinst and company. This portion of the program brought to you by my friends at Steel Tank Brewing. Steel Tank Brewing on Roebrook Lane in Oconomowoc. Terrific food. And they've got a, they've got a, a, a there's the, the restaurant in the front. In the middle is a hall that you can rent, which has everything from games and such in it all the way up to the big giant picnic tables and, and you know, cocktail tables and such. But if you want to have like a gathering or a meeting or something there, you can do that. And then in the back, that's where all the action happens on the weekends and music at night. Uh, that is Rally Point, which is opened, and it is fantastic. And just look for their incredible lineup of bands that are going to be making their way through Rally Point uh, coming up here in the very near future. Steel Tank Brewing on Roebuck Lane in Oconomowoc, right behind the Exonia Bank off of 67. Open today through Sunday. They've got lunch on the weekends. They've got brunches. And Rally Point rocks it on uh, Friday and Saturday nights for sure. Uh, check them out. Just stop in and tell them we said hi. Uh, we'll wrap things up next on the building. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Welcome back. Good to have you. Final segment before we get out of here. Fresh, fresh from Las Vegas. They have now come out with the odds uh, for the 12-team college football playoff. For the 12-team college football playoff for this upcoming uh, year. Uh, For the first time in history, sports betting, there are odds for which teams will qualify for the expanded college football playoff. Uh, The uh, Bet Online released the odds for the 12 teams from the Power Four conferences that are going to qualify. There are 33 teams on the list, and uh, any teams that weren't listed were worse than 25 to 1 odds. Can you take a guess at who is on this list there, Grant? Well, I can guess that our Badgers probably aren't. Uh, who would be on the list? All the big ones. I can't imagine there's been a ton of change this offseason. Yeah, you've got uh, the usuals. Ohio State, Georgia. Ohio State's number one. Georgia, number two. Um, Oregon, number three. Texas, number four. Then Clemson, Florida State, Kansas State. Believe it or not. Then Michigan. Followed by Utah. Miami. Ole Miss, Arizona, Penn State, Tennessee, Alabama, Louisville, Kansas, LSU, Notre Dame, and it goes on from there, and you are correct. There is uh, no sighting of the Wisconsin Badgers. Colorado. Can you believe Colorado is actually on this list? After what we lived through last year with the way that the media kind of covered them, yeah, I can believe it. And because betters are dumb. Never, Bill, never underestimate how smart Vegas is and their ability to – to take advantage of dumb betters in this country. Yeah. yeah. Colorado. They sucked last year. They got a couple of wins early on. Everybody got hyped. Uh, Prime was all over the place. And the next thing you know, they just, they, that ship went down. That's terrible. They were terrible. They weren't much better from the previous. They were a couple of wins better than the previous season, but it wasn't like they were 10 and 2, you know, anything like that. But yeah, Colorado's on that list. Colorado ahead of Wisconsin. Ahead of Wisconsin, which is amazing to me. So anyway, that's uh, that's fresh from Vegas. Um, the uh, they do have some uh, prop bets, by the way, on the NFL Combine. Speaking of the Combine, the fastest forty-yard dash time over/under is four point two seven five seconds. The highest vertical dr- jump over/under is forty-three inches. The longest broad jump is 11 feet, 5 inches. The most bench press reps at 225. The over-under is 38. Um, And then, obviously, it's corner and wide receiver. The fastest players that are out there, whether it's wide receiver, corner, running back, and such, yada, yada. Um, So, anyway, but there's all kinds. Uh, Will the Will Stevens, uh, Stephen Pay, a a 49-rep bench press record be broken? So there you go. That's it. And now they've got uh, the next city to get a Major League Baseball team odds out to. Nashville, Charlotte, Portland, Salt Lake City. All a plethora of stuff. And then Tokyo is on that list. Seoul, South Korea, Tokyo, San Juan, Puerto Rico. And then it goes up from there. Buffalo, Virginia Beach, Vancouver, Sacramento, Memphis, Jacksonville, all that kind of stuff. So. Interesting stuff coming out of Vegas today. We'll bet on anything in this country. Right? Right? Take a shot. Throw some money down. Who knows? That's going to do it. Quick, fast, easy. Today was just a plethora of stuff, and every day we walk in going, not a lot going on. What are we going to do? And every day we walk away going, man, there's still more we could probably do. So there you have it. 
Great, great stuff. Uh, back at it again tomorrow. We will talk 20 hours from now. Right now, get out and enjoy it. It's beautiful. Because by this time tomorrow, you're going to be uh, putting extra underwear on. It's going to be cold. So until then, have a go and see you.